Do you face any obstacles in life? Have you ever faced an obstacle in your life? Um, on Easter, I've been praying for the last couple of months, and that's going to be the uh, focus and title of my message, is Overcoming Obstacles. You know, several years ago, my family and I had uh, the great privilege to go out and visit uh, my mother and stepfather. They were living in a place called La Jolla, California. Anybody ever heard of La Jolla? It's just a, a little area right uh, north of San Diego. It's beautiful. They lived in, on a high rise and in a high rise and I should say on the high rise because you were the top floor. And it was just absolutely wonderful and gorgeous. And the beach is beautiful right there. And so the family enjoyed it. So Kathy's not much to get into the water, but the kids and I were. And we went out and we were body surfing and swimming. And it was just a great old time. And then after a period of time, we looked up and we were a long ways away from the shore. We were all going to stay, you know, really close and have fun, you know. And all of a sudden we looked up and we were a long distance from where we thought we were. You know what happened, don't you? We were inadvertently, without knowledge, caught up in a riptide. And if you don't know what a riptide is, is when that ocean goes in and then it pulls you out. And sometimes you're not even aware of it. Sometimes you feel that pressure, uh, but sometimes you don't. And then all of a sudden you realize you're a long ways away from where you thought you were. And thank God uh, I was trained years ago that you don't ever swim against a riptide. I mean, I don't care how good a swimmer you are, you don't swim against a riptide. You swim to the side until you're out of the riptide, then you'll be able to go ahead and find your way back to the beach. But uh, the first thing I said when we kind of realized we were playing and we looked up a long distance, I said, hey, what's going on? Because it was something abnormal of what I thought and expected and even wanted. Many of you know that I'm doing a five-part series on the last days. This is the fourth. We'll finish that next week. I've entitled my message again today, Hey, what's going on? Part four, let's pray. Father, there isn't a man or a woman in the sanctuary today that doesn't need to more fully yield to and understand what you're doing on planet Earth. We are here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. Our lives are still in existence because you have purpose for us. And Father, I know maybe in my own life and sometimes I think in the body of Christ and I think maybe even in America and globally, we've got caught up in a riptide. And we've floated or been drifting to places that we didn't want or we didn't expect. And then finally we come to that realization. And then we need to have great wisdom on how to know to get outside of that riptide so it doesn't take our life. I ask that you would use me today to honor you, to serve these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I even give my introduction, I want to say this. It's going to be on tape, and I'm going to say it several times today. My message today is not political. Okay? I hope you're not looking in the bulletin. If you've already started falling asleep, wake up at least for 30 seconds, then you can go, you can go back to sleep. 
My message today is not political. It's my assumption that some of you will leave here today and you'll say that was a political message. My precious friends, I don't care whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, or whatever else there is. This is not a political message. God did not call me to be a politician. He called me to be a preacher. And so I want you to have that at the forefront of your thought and your thinking as I begin to share a variety of things with you today. This is not what? A political message. Have you ever looked at the world? Or maybe the American culture and thought, what's going on? You know, as the old catchphrase goes, things are a-changing. This country and this world and this culture is not what I grew up in. It's changed quite a bit in the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. There is an answer to the question. I really believe the day in which we live in, the Bible says that we're living in the last days. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's hard for me to get my heart and my mind around that. Again, I'm not trying to give dates or, as I've shared with you, the Bible says a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. But 2,000 years ago, when some of the Holy Scripture being written, when the Apostle Paul says we're living in the last days, and then you look at the course of history and you see the signs of the times, my friends, you and I are living in the last days of human history. And again, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, some of you are going, right on, I believe that I'm with you. And some of you are going, gosh, I'm really not sure why you say that, and i am not really been thinking about it, and I'm kind of neutral on it. And some of you will be pushing back and go, absolutely not. That's your freedom, but it's my belief that we are living in the last days. The sign of the times revealed that we're in the fourth quarter of human history, human journey. I don't believe humanity is just being humanity. It has for its existence, but something more significant, I think, is transpiring today than ever before. And as we mentioned a couple weeks back when the Broncos were playing in the Super Bowl, the last couple of minutes, I was glued to the TV. I wanted to see how it finished, how the end of the game played out. And I really believe that Christians today need to be glued to their faith and to understanding so we can see how this all turns out. If we are really living in the last days, what should we as Christians be aware of? How do we prepare and what should we be doing? I've said for several weeks now that I believe it's vitally important that we're awake, that we're alert, that we're informed, and that we are preparing in these last days. I won't camp out too long, but I've said this about every week. If somebody came up to you and said, are we living in the last days, what would you say? As we mentioned before, here's my preacher's number. 
No. No. We need to be alert. We need to be informed. We need to be equipped. I'll be glad to add to that and and talk with them. But the reality is what I'm trying to do in these five weeks is give you some ammunition, some information that you can get a CD, that you can use your bulletin and, and browse over that and look at that so you'll have some sense of understanding. You know, I don't think it's okay that just a few of us know what we believe. I mean, how many of you know in an army they all need to get equipped? So anyway, what would you say? And I hope that you would be thinking about that. That might engage you more in the CDs and the bulletin. I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 24 today. And we've used some other passages in the past couple of weeks out of Matthew 24. If you haven't read Matthew 24, would you please do that sometime today or tomorrow or this week? Because it gives a lot of information and description and knowledge about the last days. It's not complete. There's many other places in the Bible, but this is where we're focusing. And so today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 36 through 44. Matthew chapter 24 starting in verse 36, and these are the words of Jesus to his disciples when they asked him, Hey, when is going to be the sign of your coming? But of that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah, so will be coming, so will come the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood... They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They were just living life until the day that Noah entered the ark. And he did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. There will be two men in one field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Let that kind of simmer and soak in and lay some foundation. Now turn over to Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. I used this last week and I want to use it again because I think it sets the stage for one of the key characteristics of the last days. In Isaiah chapter verse 20. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, a conflict of values and worldview. 
a chief characteristic of the last days. So kind of hold that in your heart and mind as we move forward. Some points I want to ponder today. First of all, the last days, some internal threats to America. We have external threats and we have internal threats. Last week I talked a little bit about some of the external threats. Today, uh, a little more of the eternal ones. Did somebody say this is not a political message? Okay, I just want to make sure we're, we're clear on that. Actually, I had breakfast uh, yesterday morning with a, a vet here, Cody. God bless you, my, my friend. And he mentioned to me that when he served in the military, he took an oath to defend the United States and the Constitution of the United States against any enemy, foreign or domestic. Any, any of you who have served, and I want to point that out today, as the army of God, of Christians, we need to also make that same commitment that we vow to uphold and fight against any enemy, foreign and domestic. And I want to talk briefly today about some uh, internal threats to America. I believe the greatest threats to America today, to our republic, to our democracy, and I won't get into it. Really, there's a difference between a republic and a, a, a democratic form of government, but I think for the sake of understanding, I'll say that. Greatest threats to America, to our republic, to our democracy, to the American dream, all come from the same family. The family is called the ism family. ISM, it's the ism family. And there's five members of this ism family that are infiltrating, battling, and trying to erode our great country and our great way of life. And the five members of that ism family are secularism, modernism, relativism, progressivism, and humanism. They're all in the same family. And without trying to define each and every one of them, let me just simply say that the ism family ignores, rejects the truth, the authority, and the sovereignty of an almighty God. The ism family is focused on and committed to human beings being God, independent of an almighty God. I want to stop real briefly here and say there's a word that I've been hearing a lot more in the political arena, political debates, but this is not a political message that I don't hear too much. I've just started to hear it. It's called the progressive movement, the progressive thought. And if you really try to understand what they're saying is, the past is the past, and we're not looking back. We're looking forward to make our decisions. Now, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with that, except if the isms are leading the charge. Because the reality is, we have a past. We have a history. And we can't forsake that. 
There is a battle for America. There is a battle in America. There's a battle for our republic. There's a battle for our democracy. There is a battle for our freedoms. The single greatest truth and reality that, if you will, was established, has been believed in, adhered to, and propagated since the creation of this nation is that Almighty God should not be left out of our lives. Should not be left out of our government. Should not be left out of our churches. Should not be left out of our decisions. Should not be left out of our way of life. And I want you to know that the Ism family does not believe that. The Ism family is fighting against those realities. And the battle is raging, and the battle is intensifying, and the battle only speaks to the last days. This is not a political message. This is a spiritual message. It's not what we see in the natural. It's what's going on in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm, that's manifesting in the natural realm. That's why this is not a political message. But there is a battle for America today. I want to share with you seven things that I believe this spiritual world, this spiritual battle uh, is about. There's more than that, but I've listed seven for myself and maybe for you. The isms that are being propagated, I think, show up in seven key areas. Number one. They're fighting against traditional and moral values. Now, knowing our congregation and looking out over this congregation, it's my assumption that when I use the word traditional, I'm not going to get a lot of pushback. But I want you to know there's a large percentage of this population in America today, and especially the younger generation that they do not believe, do not agree, and will fight against traditional. They don't like that word. It seems restrictive. It seems prehistoric. It seems old-fashioned. And they'll fight against it. Tradition is simply a way of life or behaving that's been passed out down from one generation to another generation. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain traditions that are passed down that I'm not for, I don't agree with, but that's not what I'm talking about. The great battle in America today in the spiritual realm with this battle against the ism family is they're fighting against traditional and moral values. The values that established our country, that defined our culture, are at war. I thought I heard an amen, and I thought I heard somebody say, this is not a political message. Do you see it? Do you see the battle? Every day, for traditional and moral values, there's a battle. Number two, constitutional relevancy. It's a lot to say. Constitutional relevancy. The God-given, God-focused blueprint given to our founding fathers in which they established this republic 
and our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, the ISM family doesn't like. Because we need to be progressive. Those who have what they call a truest mentality or an originalist mentality in regard to the Constitution believe that our founding fathers said what they meant and they meant what they said. And we've had one of the greatest Supreme Court justices who believed this with all of his heart, fought all of his life, has now passed away. I could go on and on and on, but how people respond to the Constitution of the United States is very much in correlation to how they respond to the biblical scriptures. Is those who of us who are truists or originalists, we believe that the Bible is inspired. We don't believe that progressive humanity or the ism family will change the reality that what the Scripture writers said they meant and what they meant is what they said. And I have found in my lifetime that if you have such a progressive thought you don't believe in the Bible as truest or originalist, you probably don't believe in the Constitution as an originalist or as a truest. You see what I'm saying? They're correlated. This is not a political message. It's a spiritual message. But that's the war that's going on right now. All of us know that Antonin Scalia has passed away, and now there's a four-to-four compromise or battle in the Supreme Court, and the guy that fought for the Constitution as a truist or as an originalist is now passed away. Depending on what goes on here will change the course of our nation. This is not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue. So the battle today, I believe, is of the ISM family is against traditional and moral values, against constitutional relevancy. The third is skyrocketing national debt. America is influenced by, controlled by, motivated by, I believe deceived by, and ruled by the ISM family that says, live for today and forget about tomorrow. I believe it's true. Our national skyrocketing debt threatens our country, our culture, our way of life, our future generations. As you might know, that they say today that about uh, our national debt is about $20 trillion. And people have tried to use all of those illustrations, and some of those are really good. And you know what? None of them make sense to me because it's so big, it's so broad, it's so overwhelming, it's so high. And then they say today, when you add in all of the entitlements of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, that we may be approaching or over $200 trillion. You know what that means? You don't need an illustration. We will never get out. You will never get out of that hole. But it's because the isms today are fighting against us. They're trying to influence us. They say now that between 73 and 76% of those of us that are over 50 
believe the next generation or next generations will have to pay for our increasing debt, our luxury, our indulgences. And they don't believe that the next generation or the next generation or the next generation will have the same quality of life that you and I have had. Why? Because of debt. This is not a political message. This is a spiritual message. How many of you know the Bible speaks against debt? Now, those of you who have debt, I'm not here to to, uh, jump on you because we all, most of us have some form of debt. I only have the debt on my house. But the point being is that it's been the mentality. Borrow, 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 spend, 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 and hopefully it'll all turn out in the end. How many of you know the second leading cause of divorce today in America is because of financial debt, financial problems? It creates a difficulty for all of us. My friends, the ISM family is promoting its money management mentality. And if we're not careful, he, we even in the church can fall prey to it too. But we owe it. I believe we owe it. It's not a political message. We owe it to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation not to leave them with such a debt that they can never get out of and never have the opportunity that you and I have had with a quality of life to reach the American dream. Number four, wholesome media. How many of you uh, have witnessed in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years a radical change in the TV shows, in the movies, and the music, and what is being produced and promoted by Hollywood. I told you last week, where is Andy when you need him? Where is Barney? Father knows best. Leave it to Beaver. Now, some of you are just saying, Jeff, you are just, at your age, you're just kind of getting old, and, and, and uh, I am. Hello. You're older than me. I respect my elders. Did you know for a long time, and it came out of the communist movement around the world, that if you want to change a class of people, a culture... You do it through two main ways. Media and education. Media and education. Now, I know this group pretty well because I know our age and I can look at. Can you, can you watch the shows? See, what used to be inappropriate and disgusting and off the chart is now celebrated. It's now mainstream. It's now accepted. Do you see that? Do you see the battle for America? It's not political. It's spiritual. It's part of the end days. It's the spirit of deception that will invade. My friends, the media is controlled by the ism family. You think it's some big Hollywood. It's the ism family that owns the media today. 
What about enduring education? Those of us, if I look out uh, in our age bracket, most of us have raised our children. They're beyond that age. But many of you here have grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Now, have you ever wondered or say, hey, what's going on? What's going on eight or ten hours of the day in public education? And you know what? I am so absolutely grateful, humbled, and thankful for the teachers today who continue to really, I think, not make a lot of money, but they are invested in our kids, and especially those Christian teachers that have stood up and fought Sandy, I love you and appreciate you. Thanks for all your work. And I don't know who else is in here. So please don't get me wrong. This is not a political message. And I'm not attacking a group. I'm saying, how many of you know that education has changed? There was a recent study done in 2013 that how many of you know that when you're ready to graduate high school and you're trying to get entrance into a, a, a public university, a private university. You have to take a test called an SAT test. How many of you know that? Okay. In 2013, 43% of all kids that were scored on an SAT were not college ready. 43%. I don't have time. It's probably good that I don't go into all this because the pulpit should never be for an opinion and it should never be a political message. But come on. The amounts of money, the amount of time that is spent, doesn't that concern you and scare you? And again, do you see the byproduct when they come out of their worldview and their belief systems? Again, it's not so much political as it is spiritual. You know, you're probably, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to win presidency, but they may ask me to be the Secretary of Education after this message. So you may not see me for a while. But here's the five things that I would start that would not be electives. American history would be number one. I actually believe the isms rule because we have not taught the younger generation American history. They don't know it. They don't know about the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or the Civil War or some of these things. And now I am probably getting on a soapbox. This probably is political, but I'll tell you it isn't. Everybody's ready now, aren't they? We've got a younger generation, I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, that are making decisions about things they have no clue they've never been educated about. And there's such a large portion of the voting public that they can sway the course of a nation based on information they've never been taught in public education. Okay, I've gone to preaching. American history. Gosh, will somebody teach our kids money management? 
Now, how many of you, we've all tried to do that, but how many of you kids know your kids don't listen to you? You know that's not a political message. How many of you know today they say eight out of ten people in America are in huge, deep debt that they may never be able to get out of? You don't start when they have four credit cards with $15,000 maxed out on it. That's not when you start to teach the kids. I had the privilege of having lunch this week with a gentleman that's in the financial investment business. And we were talking about younger people 30 and under. And they have just really, by and large, no view of saving, delaying gratification, putting money away. I know need to move on, I know. Money management. What about conflict resolution? <laughs> Man, that would be an elective if I was the Secretary of Education. I would say you, from a young age, in public education, need to learn how to cons- resolve conflicts. Goodness. How about life skills? <laughs> I, no, don't get me wrong. I believe in reading, writing, and what's the other one? Arithmetic? Okay, I just want to know <laughs> I better go on because I have gone to preaching. How about long-range planning? <laughs> Live for today and sure hope it works out tomorrow. Man, what a recipe for the isms to take over. Okay, two more real quick. Religious freedom. Ever, anybody ever heard of the Defense of Marriage Act that was uh, went through and, uh, and became law in, in the legislation in 1996? And basically what it did, it defined and focused on the reality that's been going on since the beginning of time, that it defined marriage between one man and one woman. And again, this is not a political message. How many of you know that last year the Supreme Court uh, voted down that particular amendment and now... We have propagated the reality that the Defense of Marriage Act is now outdated. Again, most of you have been watching, or I think you've heard, the former Supreme Justice Antonin Scalia passed away. And when he, the Supreme Court, ruled that, struck that Defense of Marriage Act down, these are his exact words to his fellow Supreme Court justices and beyond. When you passed this legislation, now those who oppose this legislation are enemies of the human race. Basically, we're haters. We're bigots. We're old-fashioned. This is not a political message. It's a spiritual issue, but it, it, we are, the isms are fighting against our religious freedom. If you believe in the Bible, you are now in a minority. You can and maybe will be persecuted, hated, rejected, and even down the road face legal consequences. I'll give you this last thought that some will believe and disbelieve. When that took place, how many of you know that uh, that 
churches are considered religious organizations. They are 501, they have a 501c3 tax-exempt status, meaning the government, you're still tied to the government, and they can come in and tell you what you really can and can't do. I am not legally, and I wouldn't anyway, I am not legally able to stand up here and endorse a candidate. If I do that, they can take away tax-exempt status, so every gift you give is no longer charitable. But look what happens. Look what's going on in America. The reality is once they defeated the Defense of Marriage Act, they can come to any religious church in America and say, you must open your doors to same-sex marriage couples to have their meetings in that. And if you don't, you're a religious bigot. And I believe there's a day coming, and it's fast approaching, that they will then, for churches that do not do that, they will take away their tax exempt status. And whether I like it or not, a lot of people give to their church and their synagogue and their religious organization because they get a tax exemption at the end of the year that makes their taxes go down so that they can keep more of their hard-earned money. But when that happens... This is not a political message. Some of you are going to say, well, Jeff, I believe in the Supreme Court's decision. I believe in same-sex marriage. Hey, folks, I know some, too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spirit, the isms behind all of this that are characteristic of the last days. The last one. National security. Anybody in here remember September the 11th, 2001? Do you remember where you were? It's kind of like at the time of the assassination of JFK. Everybody knows where they were. On September 11th, uh, 2001, almost everybody knows where they were. I want you to know that America has enemies. There's natural enemies. Domestic and foreign, I mentioned a little bit about that, some of the foreign countries. But here's the thing. Our greatest enemy is a spiritual enemy. And if you didn't get my tape or you didn't hear it last week, get it. It's the battle between Ishmael and Isaac. And some of you are going, that's not my neighbors. They're Joe and Bill. It goes back centuries and centuries and centuries. The and you get the tape. I won't I won't go through all of that, but Ishmael was the first son of Abraham. And instead of waiting for God to bring forth a promise, Sarah got Abraham to believe he should hang out with a lady by the name of Hagar. And she got pregnant and, and the son that came out was Ishmael which right today are, is the descendants of Islam. And the other son that came after that, because of the promise between Abraham and Sarah, came out a, a man by the name of Isaac, who was the forefather of Judaism and, and Christianity. That's the battle. That's the national security. Do you know why Islamic jihadists want to destroy uh, uh, Israel and Jews? And America and Americans, it's not political. It's spiritual. And it's characteristic of what will arise in the last days. 
This, my friends, didn't catch God off guard. And I'd like to tell you that it was over, but I think it's just beginning. Many Americans, myself included, are deeply concerned how this particular spirit is using modern-day technology and media to spread their message to destroy us and to destroy our republic and to destroy our democracy and to destroy the American dream. So my friends, hey, what's going on? This is the fourth message. I hope you'll, if you haven't got it, get the tape, get the outline, take a look at it. Begin to read about it. Begin to understand. I'll leave you with this quote. Well, before that, I'll say this was not a political message. Napoleon said this, The world suffers a lot, not simply because of the violence of bad people, but also because of the silence of good people. Can I read that again? Man, where was I in 1996 when I didn't even know there was an enactment and in a law set called the Defense of the Marriage Act? Man, I should have been cheering that. I should have been celebrating that. But here's the point. The world suffers a lot, not simply because of the violence of bad people, but also because of the silence of good people. I'll finish my series next week basically saying, okay, we've diagnosed, we've diagnosed a lot in the last four weeks. What's the prescription? What do we do? Where do we go from here? That will be my focus next week. Let's pray. God, I, I'm sometimes silent. I'm just not knowing how to pray. But Lord, I'm, I'm asking like the disciples we read about in the Scriptures, Jesus, tell us, when will be the sign of Your coming? And He said, don't let anyone be deceived. And then He shared these characteristics. Lord, help me, help us be alert, awake, aware, and preparing. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening. One more song. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Would you stand?
and the home of the brave. I pray that we will all be brave to understand what's going on, to speak up, to move forward,